from The Advocate Magazine. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and this is LGBTQ&A. Last week, Sonia Passi was here, and this week I thought we'd put out this interview that we did with Chani Nicholas, who is Sonia's wife. Talking to them, you see how they fit together in life, but also with their work, which goes hand in hand in really interesting and unique ways. Chani is an astrologer, as you probably know. She's one of the queer community's favorite astrologers, and she describes how astrology can be used as a tool for healing. She is not a fortune teller, as she says. That is not what astrology is about. But it is something that can help guide our lives and really help inspire a sense of awe. So we talk about that as well as about our current president's birth chart and what that reveals about him I found especially interesting. So that is coming up. If you enjoyed the interview, please take a second and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe, rank us five stars, leave a comment. When you do those things, it is the biggest way you can help our show grow. Thank you for that. All right, without further ado, here's Chani. Okay. Okay. Let's get to it. Let's do it. A big reason why I like your work and why I think a lot of people like it is mm-hmm. because it's so inclusive and mm-hmm. intersectional. Mm-hmm. And I think that for an ancient art, mm-hmm. you really make it feel current. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you hear a lot? Yeah. I, f- I hear that uh, there, I, I don't know about the current piece, but that it brings true for okay. folks. I, I think I say current because sometimes you read astrology and it's like a good thing will happen in the future. <laughs> but for your work, it feels like it was written today with the certain person in the White House. And, right. it is. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't seek to write for everybody and I don't seek to please everybody. I actually just write to please the muse that I'm writing for or, or with. And so there's a certain type of voice that comes through. And my job is to serve that. And if it resonates with people, then that's just lucky. Or that's just a bonus. And that's great. And of course, there's a part of me that's also an activist, and I want to be able to serve my community in some way. And so there's that. That's the feeling that is behind. That's my motivation for writing them. The horoscopes are meant to be healing. Um, or for, or used as tools for healing. Yeah. Um, and if I can do that, then I'm happy. And I don't really care about being, I'm not trying to get your life right. That's not my job. (laughs) I'm just trying to use the tool that I've been given, which is astrology. I don't know why I was given that tool, but it's the thing I've got to use. So to use it in, in the best way that I can possibly use it. And how much room for interpretation is there? Because I feel like anyone can learn to read charts, right? Well, yeah, I think it has to be like a language that you feel like is interesting to you. Like some people, it just doesn't, it doesn't land. It doesn't sit. They like to have readings, but they don't actually, they're not able to retain some of the information. Like for me, I'm not good. Math is just a hard subject for me, even though I'm an astrologer, but it's something that it's really hard for me to hold on to. I can learn it and then it kind of, and so I feel like astrology is like that. It either lands with people because it makes an impression on them in some way that helps them make sense of life or it doesn't. The thing with the, like the interpretation of it is when you're working in terms of like, uh, a symbolic system, then we can read those symbols in different ways. So I'm trying to read those symbols in ways that are interesting to me, right? So that they're ways that, that are talking to 
the issues that, that I see folks going through. Yeah. And, and that clearly resonates with a lot of people. Yeah. As well. Yeah. I, I think that you I was also... always surprised about that. Oh, really? Shocked. I thought when I started writing, I thought no one is going to like, this is no one's at this intersection. No one who's into astrology is also into, is also political. I don't know why I thought that, but I just didn't know a lot of, of like, politically savvy folks that, that deemed astrology worthy of reading. I oh. thought that everybody that was educated was like, oh my God, astrology, because it has such a bad rap. Well, I wonder if that's why you make it clear, and tell me if you disagree, but yeah, yeah. you make it clear that this is a tool for self-reflection yeah. to reveal what might or might not be working in your life and right. not a way to tell the future. Right. I don't right. think you've ever claimed to be a fortune teller. <laughs> <laughs> I always say I'm not a fortune teller. That, that's oh, really? not me. Yeah. yeah. People write me all the time about all sorts of things. But people, when I used to do mainly readings, they'd be like, well, can you tell me this? And I'd say, that's not my work. Other astrologers do that. And that's their thing. Yeah. But that's not me. And I don't want to do that. So you yeah. need to find somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, would, would every astrologer answer like that? I have no idea. I mean, it, it's tricky. <sighs> It's tricky because astrologers over the arc of time, and when I say that, I mean like the last 2,000 years, have gone in and out of favor with the ruling class, right? Like we used to be really in favor, and then we'd, and then with the dawn of Christianity or the construction of the paradigm of Christianity, a lot of that, all of the, the witch burnings and all of the, the, um, kind of hunting out and rooting out those that are other, the, the construction of other. Yeah. Astrologers, in a sense, have gotten put in that category. And of course, there's astrologers that are that are scam artists, just like there are, uh, you know, people in any class of in any any profession that are yeah. that are the same thing. But for some reason, well, for many reasons, we have that we have like, a there's a there's a great public fear and a great public skepticism. When you say you're an astrologer, it it's not neutral. When I say I'm an astrologer, I don't get neutral reactions. I usually, I either get like, oh my God, I'm a da da da, tell me something about myself, which is obnoxious in of itself. Or you get the, oh, like you're a shark, you're a thief. Oh, you're or a liar. like you're a crazy woman. Yeah, well, or you're, you're. Oh, they automatically think you're lying. You're, well, they think I'm, I mean, they think I'm dishonest. Wow. There's a, there's a whole arc, there's a whole. Um, stereotype of of the you know person that is telling fortunes just for the money and and you know manipulating people and doing all that stuff, which of course happens, but it happens in every profession. It's one of those stigmas. I have to wonder if social media existence has helped you since you uh, like looking at now, like you're totally. wearing a denim shirt, like you know you. I hate the word normal, and I keep using it, but you look normal. <laughs> <laughs> You look relatable, um, as I said, approachable. And right, I wonder right. if they're like, oh, well, this like woman can't I'm be lying to me. I'm not wearing a muumuu with like stars and planets <laughs> yeah, on Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're not wearing some like culturally appropriated like fabric wrapped around your head, no, you know? No, I'm not. Oh my God. It helps trust you. Like lends yeah. credibility when they can give a face that they trust. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. you were, so you mentioned Christianity. Uh, it, this is not a, a religion. It's not like not a, uh, is it a science? Like what classification does it fall under? It's such a good question. Um... You know, certain astrologers will say, well, there's, there's, there is an argument to make for it, astrology being a type of science. Um, some astrologers will just say it's an art form. I like to think of it as just a system that can help us to heal. And it's a system that can help guide our lives. And it's a system that 
that evokes a sense of awe about life because it's all about understanding the correlations of things. And so it's like when I'm looking at the astrology and I'm looking at my life or my wife's life or friends or my clients, and I'm watching this correlation happen, it is mind blowing. I don't know why it works. I just know that it does. Yeah. So some there's a mark in the sky and then someone's born under that mark. And I can look at their chart and say, oh, wow, this piece of life is so complex and unfold a story about it. And then they'll tell me the same story. Just give me the specifics of what it was. So it's, it's a, it's an amazing tool if you resonate with it. And if you don't, then don't worry about it. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> yeah. People love to like tell me that they don't believe in it. And I'm like, great. Don't believe in it. I don't care. You're like, I don't want to convince Use you. Use what works for you. Yeah. That's all I like. I think that in terms of religion, mm-hmm. organized religion doesn't work for a lot of people. And it's mm-hmm. easy for them mm-hmm. to not believe in that and cast off all spirituality in general. Right. When there's sure. two different things. Sure, sure, sure. So like, uh, I, I'm Jewish. I love our traditions and our cultures. Mm-hmm. I love our people. Mm-hmm. In terms of a name for like a higher mm-hmm. power. I, I don't have, quite have language for a word I'm comfortable with. Right. And it's not God or like higher um, energy, the universe. I don't know. Right. But I would like to say I don't believe in anything, but that doesn't honor like the kind of mystical things that I experience. Right. In life right. and like the correlations, I guess, right. with what you said. Right. And we were talking earlier, like to be Jewish is to struggle with those things. You're supposed to ask that question. You're supposed to doubt the whole thing. Yeah. You're supposed to wrestle. And that's the beauty of of Judaism. So I guess for you, the two co- can coexist. Judaism and, and astrology? Yes. Well, I, you know, I say this a lot too, but Ibn Ezra, do you, have you ever heard the name Ibn Ezra? No. So he's a rabbi that a lot of rabbis, uh, quote and talk about like his midrash, right? So the, so there's a, there's rabbis from a long, long time ago that you'll hear about in temple. They, he is an astrologer. So there were, <laughs> There were rabbis that were astrologers. There were Jewish philosophers that were astrologers. It didn't used to be separate from our way of being. So in, so beginning in Mesopotamia and then being unpacked throughout the years through that swath of land, Northern Africa, da, 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 Southern Europe, all that where Jews were back then, um, specifically that, and other cultures, all of those cultures had astrology within their systems of knowledge, within their systems of government, within, and it wasn't necessarily, it's not a religious thing. It was, a, it was a knowledge system. Like, and it, and that's how astronomy began. The astronomers that we talk about, like Ptolemy, were astrologers as well, because they weren't separate. That was not a separation until later. And I'm guessing that was intentional, too, to separate them by like, sure. those in power, right? Yeah, it's intentional not to mention it. And then it's also, then it gets buried and then it gets forgotten. Oh, we've been doing that for a while, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. But astrology's always been there. There's a temple in, in Israel-Palestine that has a Jewish temple that has... Um, a zodiac on the floor in the tiles in a temple. That's wild. Yeah. Do you, do you, 2000 year old astrology is, mm. do you, do you feel that connection? Uh, you mean to the lineage of astrologers? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. I'm, I'm a lineage person though. I really get off on lineage stuff. Like my, my teacher, Demetra George, is somebody who, who translates and unpacks those older texts. So, we're always having conversations about the, this astrologer and that astrologer. And I, I love it because it's, uh, it's not that they were so right or that they're better or that ancient stuff is the only thing, 
but it's root. It was rooted in a, a very complex and beautifully complete system of knowing and of knowledge and of, of being. And it was at a time where we didn't have technology and stuff. So everything was about how it was universally appearing in nature. And we were watching the sky and, and making meaning out of it. And for some reason, that meaning still holds true thousands of years later. Oh, because the practice of astrology has not changed in 2000 years. I'm I'm guessing. It has. Has. It has changed because it had the Western astrology had to go underground for a long time and was hidden in libraries and hidden. Certain cultures would hide it and and then translate it into their language. So it would go from like, it would go into like Arabic and then it would get translated into ancient Greek and then, and then like moved around in different languages and different sources. So different peoples, different cultures held it for different time periods in a sense. Wow. And then it would get like, and then it got stuck. Like a lot of the texts got stuck, like in a library and they weren't found for like hundreds of years. Like it's just, it's wild how we have the stuff that we have. But if you go to India, their astrology has never been broken. So they never had to hide their astrological knowledge. And so their lineage is really unbroken. Our lineage is fragmented and broken, but the astrology of India and the astrology that I'm talking about came about at the same time. And because of the trade routes between all the different countries, they influenced each other. And so there's some similarities or there's some things you can say, oh, they were they were talking to each other and they definitely had these ideas and they were constructing them and uh, exploring them together. But then they would take those ideas to their own town and kind of yeah. morph it. It's yeah, like yeah, telephone. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, I think that's why, honestly, why astrology... And again, tell me... If, I don't want to tell right, you about right, astrology. Right. <laughs> but I feel like it can get a bad name because someone reads their chart and then their friend's having a bad day and they're like, oh, you're having a bad day because of this. And like it's through so telephone, bad. it changes. It's so bad. And so much, and, and, you know, and social media has been so great. It's given me my career, which I could never have had the career that I have 10 years ago. But it also means that all of these tropes that people are just making up get passed around. And like, you're just like, none of this has any weight anymore. Like nothing's about, it's not from anywhere. It's not because it's just, it's so, it's such a mishmash. Yeah. I, I think it's so fascinating too that if this is, uh, you're, you're an entrepreneur. This is your business. Right, right, right. That's right. huge. Like when did it become a career, not just a hobby or an interest? Well, you know, it's uh, for as long as I said yes to giving people's read, giving people readings, it's always been a part of how I've made money. For, for certain amounts of time, I stopped doing it because I just I needed to not do that. But, um, so it's always been a part of my thing. And I've always been, a bit of an entrepreneur. I've always been somebody who's worked for myself and just like strung a whole bunch of things together just to make it work. Um, and then the astrology just started to take over. It just was like, nope, sorry, you can't, nothing. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> uh, and that was through the, uh, with alongside the evolution of social media within the last, I would say, five years, right? So it's really, we've really changed how we are and who yeah. we are, how we do all the stuff within. And every day it all changes. So, so yeah, it's been within the last like, five, six years that it's been a solid... Fascinating. Yeah. I, I imagine from a business and time management perspective, it's a lot of time and energy spent on something that for horoscopes expire at the end of the week. Yeah, they're over. It's done. That's a wild amount of work for that. Yeah. And if you, you know, I mean, my wife will <laughs> attest to this, but it's like the the amount that I like agonize over something is just, it's not, it's like, Jesus, Channy. <laughs> going to be no one's going to read this again next week <laughs> it's like the flower that blooms like once a month yeah yeah it's just like okay done so oh i have to get better it's like i have a i'm a 
extreme perfectionist. And so I want it to be as good as it possibly can. And then I also just have to get on to the next thing. So you publish weekly horoscopes. Um, How many hours does it take to do each one? You know, on a good week, it'll take me two days, two solid working days to write that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, it would always, it always has taken me two days, two to three days. In the beginning, I wasn't making, you know, any any it was it's it is free labor still because those things are free but they help the rest of my business run but in the beginning that was just a labor of love yeah i mean it's like the advertising too like it leads people yeah. to certain things yeah yeah yeah, yeah. two two full days wow <laughs> yeah which it, is, you know if you look at the thing you might be like why would it take so long to read write that but you have to come up with an original thought about each specific situation astrologically each week for each sign so it's like i want it to be like a little poem a little yeah you know well, I think that your writing ability really separates you from other astrologers mm. as well. Mm. You're able to to communicate ideas, but also to make mm. it like pleasant to read. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's such a big thing. Yeah, I verge on the, being a little too poetic sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You've um, you've said that this can be a tool for or like social justice for like the liberation. I think everything is a tool for liberation. I think ev- I think whatever we have at our disposal, whatever our job is, whatever medium we have to work with, whatever our gift is, should be and that's my judgment, should be used t- as a tool for justice in the world and on the planet and liberation. I don't, I think that there's no reason, especially at this point in our history, not to wake up and see that like if it's at all possible for us to use what we have, why, how, like, how is being selfish at all interesting at this point? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's so much at stake. Yeah. All the time. In every, every single faction of life, everything is being threatened at this moment. And so whatever it is that you do is, can be used as a tool. Like even going to the grocery store and having a conversation with somebody at the grocery store can be a really important thing to do and to take part in and and to be engaged with your community. That is something I think about a lot, these small personal moments and how they lead to, honestly, for lack of a better word, the revolution. Yeah. And when somebody says something disparaging about you know, a different member of the LGBTQ community right. and I don't speak up. Right. It haunts me for weeks. Sure, as it should. And I just imagine them repeating that, you know, yeah. every day of right. their life. Right. Yeah. And then if if also we're engaged with conversation then in conversation, in some sort of, you know, light but also meaningful conversation, then it then it opens up a channel of that being okay. Right? That we can we don't have to pretend that everything's okay all the time. We can actually have meaningful conversations with each other out in the world yeah it it can be difficult yeah yeah and speaking of like where (laughs) we are now you you said that the rise of our current president you didn't see it coming but now looking back you said it seems obvious to you yeah you know i mean there's a there's the astrologer in me that i looked at his chart with my teacher uh, and we went through a certain kind of um technique an ancient technique she showed it to me and she and she showed me all the things in his chart that worked really well. And she said, so what do you think? And I, I was like, well, that makes me very uncomfortable. And this was in like October. Oh, no, so maybe September. And I, I was like, I knew that his, tra- his chart was too good. He had some things that were too, um, they were kind of like the mark of somebody who is, I don't want to say kingly because he's not, but there's an eminence in his chart. And so it made me deeply uncomfortable. And I knew at that moment that there was a very real possibility that, that it was going to happen. That's fascinating. But I put it away. 
Because I was like, it can't happen. That can't happen. And then all the, you know, everyone's like, yeah, she's totally going to win. You're like, okay. So what I was gearing up for was the fight for <laughs> the fight against Hillary Clinton. I was like, okay, we're going to have to, you know, fight for our rights under this thing because, you know, she's who she is. And so I was like, okay, that that's where we'll be. It's the, the cost is yet to be completely understood, but. That's, but has this woken us up in a way that that wouldn't have? Has this woken up white people in a way that it wouldn't have? Has this woken up straight people in the way that it wouldn't have? Has this woken up non-trans people in a way that it wouldn't have? I don't know. Hopefully. That, that's fascinating that you looked at his chart. Yeah. Well, he has a really good birth time, like a, a birth time that's very solid. That's that's like there's ratings on birth times. And Hillary, we don't have a birth time. We don't have a solid birth time for her, of course, because she's a Scorpio. So she's like, no, I'm going to keep that secret. <laughs> Do, what what happens when you look at your chart? What do you do? You see an eminence? No, <laughs> do I see what you uh, you said that there was like some kind of like eminence? Oh, of Donald Trump's. Um, you know, the longer that one lives, as one's alive, the more we understand about ourselves. But we, the more we also understand about our birth chart, if that's a thing that we want to use for um, self exploration. And so the way in which my chart used to manifest was really quite difficult, and quite, quite, um, uh, yeah, difficult, painful. Um, and now I've learned through a, a tremendous amount of healing on my own, how to use the things on my chart that are really difficult for, for, for my work. That's very powerful. Yeah. I think if you can, and this is true in any kind of situation, if you can pour the heartbreak and the heartache and the rejection and the betrayal and the, all of the stuff that one feels into some sort of work into some sort of creative something, then, then it has, then it can serve something bigger than you. But until we do that, we're just stuck with the pain. Right. And so, and it's not, you can't do that right away. It's like a learning curve. We all have to come to it on our own. But, you know, you see, even driving up here, remembering when I used to live in this area of town, like life was on one hand really exciting, but it was really hard and it was really hard for a really long time. And I never thought that that would end. Like, I never thought that 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 would shift. And I so I would look at my chart at that point and be like, yeah, it's <laughs> look how hard it is. <laughs> but now that I'm kind of on the on another on the other side of that, um, in a sense, <laughs> knock on everything, um, <laughs> That I feel like, oh, I, I got, I can see things in myself and I can see things in my chart, therefore, that I didn't understand before. I didn't get how lucky this also is and how incredibly fortunate this thing is. Yes. You, the gift of whatever, whatever our burden is, if we, if there is a gift in it, when we can get to use that, it's incredibly healing. And it is, I think, what we need in terms of our, activism right our activism has to also i think has to also be healing because we need to heal you're saying activism as a means to healing and healing as a means to activism ah that they're the same thing like healing is justice right yeah when we get when we have the space to heal then that's a kind of justice I, and i think that something i see is people who have healed on their own mm -hmm. and they don't then turn around to help somebody less privileged because they say like, I deserve this because I had trauma and I got That's over it. That's not healing. 
And yeah, <laughs> that's narcissism. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that maybe that maybe that's like a phase. And like, hopefully people get over that. I wonder you that know? we were we were watching um, when we rise last night. And I was thinking, like, where did all this go? You know, like, do the young do the babies know that I feel like it's all got lost sometimes. I feel like what what ha- we fought so hard and so many people put their lives on so many people died and so many of the whole thing. And like, it feels like at this point as a person in this moment, it feels like I can go and watch the shows and do the stuff, but I feel like, I don't know f- how much we learned from that. I don't know. And there was like, there's like activism, like on the streets, Yeah, you know, not just like tweeting. There was like people, no, was like, bodies and masses. Yeah. And I, I'm showing up. I want to know if we're getting back to that. When there's privilege and comfort are mixed together, it can create uh, a, a kind of toxic. It's a, it can be really to- a toxic kind of mix because we yeah. forget the urgency that is needed in terms of making sure that everybody else is coming up. We we've you know we get comfortable and then we get lazy. Yes, and in such a diverse community, yeah, of people, it's easy to say like. You know, gays and lesbians are like doing great. Like, yeah. let's like cool. Let's have a drink, right? <laughs> like, Would actually, feel... still have your drinks, please. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's easy for that, right? Well, I, I, I like, le- why aren't we up in arms about trans women being murdered? Why aren't we up in arms about black and brown trans women being right. murdered? Like, how is that not a thing where there is a massive swell? Um, how are we not outraged about that? And I, I, I want people to be. That's why we yeah. talk about it so much on yeah. the show yeah. because yeah. I don't like want to forget. Uh, you have said that you struggled with the legitimacy of your work mm, as an astrologer. Mm. Is that something you still struggle with? I don't think I do anymore because what, what happened for me was when 45 got elected, I like probably many people just kind of went through a, a bit of a crisis and I felt like, what the, f- what am I doing with my life? Who cares about horoscopes? Um, this, I've like, the world's going to end. <laughs> we got to get going. <laughs> like, so I really was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be an astrologer anymore. And so what, so what then, Chani? Like what I'm talking to me Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. He, he got, he got elected in November. You were having that, that like inner turmoil then? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm a Jew, so I always have inner turmoil. <laughs> oh, I just think you were like already established. You were Chani Nicholas yeah, then. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, when that happened, it threw me into a kind of a career crisis where I was like, who cares? Who cares? I'm going to be spending my two days a week writing horoscopes. Like, are you kidding me? Like what, what's going to happen? Like this thing is going to burn to the ground. What do we need to do? And it, it brought up all of the stuff, all of the doubts and fears that I'd had about my career and over a long period of time. So anyways, I go through like the November, December, you know, uh, dark night of the soul to January just gets. And then by about March, what happened is that what I saw what very clearly is that the work that I, the work that I do is able to support people that are doing all sorts of different types of work at, as part of the resistance, as part yeah. of the, and maybe we don't want to use the word resistance, maybe as part of the recreation of society and, and the recreation of what justice looks like and the recreation of, of our lives. And so I thought, well, you know, I can't, it's not, it's not up to me to like value this or devalue this. this, this thing just is, and this is my thing to serve and do. So it kind of finally shut it up actually. Oh, well, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad that you got around to that. Cause my first thought was <laughs> that you give so many people so much value oh, in their lives. Uh, and, uh, like, so, like if you yell like Cheney Nicholas and a gay bar, people are like, yeah, <laughs> 
Did you see a Gaga? No, Shani. Uh, people love you. <laughs> it's not something... I'm not related to that very much because I'm just sitting alone at home on my computer. Fascinating. Yeah. So I don't get... I don't... The work, I always say, the work has a way better social life than I do. It just so are you goes a- out and does all sorts of things. It's like out partying all night, but I'm not. <laughs> the work is... <laughs> The work is a big drinker. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> so are you aware at like, are you aware that people like discuss like Jane Nicholas as like a power couple uh, with her like beautiful wife? Oh. Like, does that cross like your desk at all? No. Oh, that's so funny. But my, I'm, I'm here so, to tell you. Uh, I'm so like, my wife is just the most amazing person on the planet. And she, I mean, her courage and her strength and her vision and her dedication to working with folks that are survivors of domestic violence um, is so incredible. And so for that people know about her work just makes me so fuck up. Wow. Yeah. Th- this sounds like somebody that if I was casting a movie, I would cast as your wife. Uh, how did uh, you meet her? <laughs> she's like a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you meet her? We just met. She was on a trip from New York. She came to LA and we just met like kind of like happened to meet um, in Beverly Hills. That's wild. Yeah. And, uh, and she was living in New York and then we had like a long distance thing for a very short time. And then I ended up moving out there and then we got married and it really like with her, you know, and love will do this. Like the business just exploded. As soon as we met, everything just went, just skyrocketed. Really? It was, yeah, it was like a key component that I, that I needed. And as soon as it came in, it stabilized me in a way that everything else could go in ways that it wanted to. Wow. Yeah. I had a support system for the first time in my life, I think. And it helped the work flourish. I I think that that's amazing. I think it's like so valuable to hear that. I don't, this is a compliment, I promise. But yeah. you, um, you're, uh, <laughs> I'm about to offend you. Um, Great. <laughs> you are... Uh, I don't, know, I don't know how old you are, but you're like, uh, like ancient, ancient, 77. You're 77. Yeah. Um, at your age to, yeah. to, for the, to be able to say for the first time, I have this support system in my life yeah. is very freeing. I think for people who like don't have that yeah. or younger than you, yeah, they know yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's worth the wait. Yeah. And as like a, yeah, it took forever. <laughs> like she's much younger than I am. And so for her, I'm always like, you you asshole, like you didn't have to wait long at all, <laughs> but I had to wait forever. Um, yeah, you. Yeah, I just had to put my head down and work and hope and pray that it would change at some point in my life. And I love that. I met her and it instantly did. And it wasn't like I hadn't been working my ass off in therapy the whole time and doing Reiki and yeah, all the stuff. Like I did all the stuff. And at some at one point, I was just like, you know what? I have done. I've done it all. Like where, where is the thing? How? When is this going to get better? Right. And I felt like that for a really long time. Um, and I just had to keep showing up and it was frustrating so anybody out there who's like you know when will i get my turn i get it i totally get it and you just have to keep doing what you can i love hearing that um (laughs) i don't have a segue to my next question but it's something i wanted to ask you you in an interview once said that planets have spoken to you in your dreams (laughs) is that right yeah um (laughs) i'm wondering if you like talk a little about about that like what and also starting with like what form they take is it like a voice is it like a gaseous body sometimes i'm flat sometimes i'm out in space and i'm witnessing the planets like they're showing themselves to me and then there'll be a booming like scary voice that comes with them (laughs) really it and i've said this before too it doesn't happen as much anymore because I do, I think because I work so much, but when I wasn't doing the work or when I wasn't, when I was doubting that astrology was my way, then I would get bombarded with dreams from the planets or the asteroids or something. Wow. They would, then they would like, like, like a booming resounding voice as I was waking up, like 
telling me to go do something or telling me something about a planet. Kind of when you're like not following the way. Yeah. Yeah. They get angry. You mentioned the, <laughs> the muse speaking to you earlier. Is yeah. that that same voice or is that separate? It's the same. It's a separate voice. It's a separate voice. It's a more like constant narration that's happening. And I'm, I'm always also scanning everything for an insight. And so everything I watch or read or take in or consume and every conversation that I have, I'm a writer. So I'm always like gleaning. (laughs) Where's the pearl? And then I, one little idea and then I can go and write something about it. But I'm always, I'm always on the lookout for it. I think that being queer probably gave you good training for that. That's scanning because we're like always like on guard. Right. You know, even especially growing up, you're like looking for safety. So that's that scanning. I have to let you go, but this has been so much fun. Oh my God, it's over already? Yes. <laughs> and that's our show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the podcast and please tell your friends. When you spread the word about the podcast, it is one of the biggest ways to help our show grow. Thank you for that. And then don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at lgbtqpodcast.com. It is a great way to stay up to date on all of our new episodes, all of our live shows, like the Big Queer Podfest we just did. That's lgbtqpodcast.com. I want to say, too, that the midterms are coming up in just a few months. And as we know, it is incredibly important that we vote. That is why GLAAD is making it easier than ever to access the tools you need to speak out on the issues that matter. To learn more and make sure that your voice is heard this year, go to glad.org slash amp your voice. We are broadcasting from the Advocate Magazine studios in Los Angeles. The Advocate is the longest running LGBT news magazine in the country. They were founded in 1967. Special thank you to our other partners at Panoply, to our old home AfterBuzz TV, Jason McMurdy, and everyone for listening.